the weekly podcast where we discuss all things related to creating, living, and making projects. I'm your host, Grant Alexander, and joining me as always is Jesse Radfink and Adam Mackey, and I want to hear about their weeks and what they've been up to, so Jesse, you go first. Okay, so last weekend, I sat down on Sunday and I assembled a giant rigid heddle loom that I've had in my closet for a couple days. Shout out Audrey. She sent it to me. Uh, so yeah, I have to learn how to thread it. And tomorrow is my birthday. I took the day off from work and I'm going to learn how to thread this damn thing. And I think I'm going Mm. to start a scarf because the, uh, the book that comes with it, if you're watching, you can see, uh, the first project is a scarf. So I'm hoping I can complete that. We'll have to see. Two things. One, happy 21st. Second, thank you. <laughs> I, I don't know what a loom is exactly. Okay, so e- me a, either. Oh, not you either. Okay, so a loom is essentially what is used to make fabric. So you do weaving on a loom, and there are tons of different types. The one that I have is quite large and has a lot of pieces that are removable, and you can like I don't know, sort of suit it to your needs where there are a lot of cheap, crappy looms that are just like a frame with some nails stuck to it. So, yeah. Ah. Is, is that the thing that looks like a piano, like piano strings and you like thread yes. it through and then it, you huh? press it, you press your foot and it moves it down yeah, and then you, you yeah, thread okay. and you pull it back and thread and pull it back. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, yes, I know what a loom is. Yeah. I do know I what that is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. Yeah, so I have a very big one of those. Um, yeah. I don't know why all of a sudden it just like popped into my head on Sunday and I was like, oh, I'm going to assemble that thing. So now I have to dig all of my yarn and stuff out because it has been a while. <laughs> There's yeah. definitely a joke about something looming, but I haven't figured it out. <laughs> I saw <laughs> I saw a reel the other day of a girl that made her own wool like the whole process from start to finish like from like spun the clumps it and everything spun it yeah. and everything and then made a scarf on the loom and everything. Like it was all like from literally start Maybe to finish. One day. It's I've insane. always wanted to have, you know, animals that I could take their wool. That would be nice. <laughs> we'll see. Mm. I don't know. What about yeah. you, Adam? Uh, I have just been powder coating, fucking up powder coating, <laughs> trying to get off the powder coat. Um, I just need to dial in a bit better, but I'm getting there. I've had some stuff be pretty successful. Some stuff I didn't clean properly and the powder coat didn't stick properly. How that? So I saw the gold looked way more gold when you used the right clear. Uh, yes. So yeah. is that one of your successes or is it now also a failure? A uh, bit of A, bit of column A, bit of column B. Oh. So... <laughs> Um, my first batch was really good. Second batch. So the first batch was stuff that was already brand new that I powder coated over the top of the second batch was stuff. There were parts on the bike that I didn't clean properly. So it didn't stick properly and they came out like Chrome, which is what it's supposed to do before you add the clear, but then the clear wouldn't stick properly. So they didn't golden up properly. So then I added more clear heavier, which then just made it like, too thick and bubbly and cloudy and stuff. So, so now I, I've got an ultrasonic cleaner. So I've been putting everything in there and then I'm also baking it to lift the powder coat off and trying to peel it and get a sandblast it as well. But I bought a sandblaster cause I didn't have one. I was going to buy one ages ago, but then I realized I needed a compressor, but I bought one so I can actually clean the products properly before yeah. I coat them because I was putting them in the ultrasonic cleaner and then going over them with a wire brush, but it's just not good enough. At least now I can sandblast it all completely clean, then put it in the ultrasonic cleaner, then give it a big alcohol wipe and then bake it and everything. So it sounds good to me because, Oh my yeah. God, is sandblasting fun. Like if I ever have an excuse to do it, I will do it. <laughs> well, the, so the thing is that the, um, that little tent that I bought, the pop-up tent to do the powder coating in, mm-hmm. it's just – it's a bit annoying. Like it, it's a – I ended up just hanging the stuff out in the open and spraying because like powder coating is actually not that bad for the environment and stuff. So it's not 
from what I've read, from what I've read, I'm don't come fight me, but from what I've read, anyway, so what, it, what is bad is is getting in your lungs. Well, yeah, like but a I'm lot of that has to do with about gear. Yeah, I'm saying okay. I'm saying the excess blowing off the driveway or whatever is not that big of a deal, apparently. Yeah, sure. But so Warm gasoline. So I actually. Well, yeah. So I bought a um I bought a coat rack and I'm gonna start using that. But I've been just not using the tent, but now I can use the tent for sandblasting. Good luck. So yeah. when I did uh powder coating at Maker Camp, they just had like cardboard boxes set up. Cardboard boxes, yeah. And like it was it worked out pretty good. Yeah, yeah well that's what um Griffin messaged me and he said just get like a moving wardrobe like you know the yep the wood like a big cardboard box with the rod in it for when you're moving mm-hmm. but the pro the biggest issue i had wasn't that the tent was too small or anything it's just getting around it all like you it was really hard to turn the piece so that you could spray all around and do a full mm-hmm. 360 around it it just it's so much easier when it's out in the open it'd be good maybe to have like a full enclosed tent that i could get in but so I, I don't know. I can't remember exactly how they turned the piece, but obviously, like that was a problem with the piece that I made at at Maker Camp. Mm. And I guarantee there are like little tips and tricks that you just need to learn that makes it so that mm. d- you can easily just like you know do yeah. this. Uh, because even well, like hanging the piece can be problematic because anywhere it touches won't get powder coat on it. Yeah. See that that was one of my biggest things when I and even now I'm I'm sort of learning little things like try to work out where's not going to be seen and all that sort of stuff. But I every time I saw someone powder coating, I always thought, does so it's not getting powder where the wire's hanging? Like it and it kind of does and doesn't. It's it's a little bit weird. But you will be happy to find out that I have been messaging Stephanie. Yes. <laughs> so she gave me lots of advice. Um but yeah, I don't know. It's it's fun. It's fun as hell, but it's it's a massive learning curve and try to like I haven't done that much, so sort of learning as I go how to know if it's not sticking and why it's not sticking and turning the yeah. pressure down in the in the compressor and all that sort of stuff and I one of the questions I asked Stephanie was will I know if it's not grounded properly because like how can you tell if it's just sitting on top of it? And I stuffed up one day and forgot to turn, even though I was pushing the foot pedal, I forgot to actually turn on the machine. And uh, so I now know what it's like if it's not grounded properly because it wasn't grounded at all. <laughs> and there's a, you can tell a big difference. So I'm learning as I go and you always learn from your mistakes. So yeah, I don't know. it's fun. Oh, sounds like you've been doing a lot of, you haven't been posting enough about it. I'd like to see you. Uh, I know. I did, um, more. Uh, I did some black, which came out pretty good. Yeah. And then that's that's oh, the gold yeah. to go with it. Um, great. Yeah, yeah. The, the black turns out a lot better because it's not a two-step process, so it's not so fidgety. Um, but some of the bigger black stuff is showing me a lot more of how it's not cleaned properly before I powder coat, which is really helpful because a lot of the gold I'm doing is like bolts and stuff. What I really like about powder coating is like if you do it and then you. Like come back and go. Ah, I missed a little spot. You can just do. You can just do more. Mm. That's like yeah. you could just go back and like and and like it'll just all melt in together. That's what I've been told. I haven't done it, but like you could just go back and and just add more powder coat. It uh, and, and does it's depend. Not like paint obviously. Depends yeah, it on does. The type, well, it it also depends on like so the black not too big of a deal, but the thicker that you put on the gold the more the color changes. So if right. you do two coats of gold on some stuff and only one coat on others, they'll be completely different golds. The heavier the gold, yeah. the the different the color. Um, but also I had a few bolts that I did where as I'm doing it up, the powder coat literally just came off. Like it was like there was a plastic cap on top that just came off. Yeah. And I was Googling today. It turns out I just didn't clean the product properly. Even though it's stuck, uh-huh. it didn't actually stick. It just grounded good. But yeah. Um, I I yeah. would say like bolts, powder coating bolts is probably not going to be the most like durable finish because no. of the way powder coating works. Like you could yeah. 
If you got if you get some torque on there, it's gonna rip it right off. But yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Look good until yeah. you do that. I don't know. It's one of those weird things. Like even if you paint well, it, you get a little torque on there, it rips the paint off, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I had um, I didn't tape up all the threads and stuff because I've got a huge tap and die kit. So I was like, I'll just, I'll just run them through the dies after and all that. I wish I taped them. It's so. <laughs> yeah. Like it's such a pain in the ass. I'm, from now on, I'm I'm gonna make sure I tape everything. Like even if it's just the first few threads, just to get it started, and then running yeah. it into just as normal hole will strip out what it needs to. But I didn't realize how much of a pain it was gonna be, and I'm yeah very frustrated myself. Yeah. I so um, we have in the race car. Uh, every time we like take apart a car, we just take all the bolts and put them in a giant bin to be sorted later. And one day I oh, yeah. was ADDing and said, these need to be like dealt with. And every single one of them needs to go through every nut and every bolt needs to go through a tap or a die, depending on what it was. Yep. And so I spent like six hours doing that. Uh, and with like Same. a drill, like, cause they, they don't, they weren't like, you know, you're not, you're just running it through to make sure there's no birds or anything and no grime yeah. and shit. So you're not like, you don't need to be like, no quarter turn in, quarter turn out. You're not making new uh Yeah, yeah, exactly. Threads. Yeah. You're just running it to clean it out. So I was just like oh my God. Like and at With the end the- of it, I looked at all of it. And I just went, I'll never get that day back. That was yeah. a waste of a day. The powder coating kind of makes it like you are cutting new threads. Like it's not super hard. But it's still more than if it was just getting dirt off. And the other thing is that I don't know what the thread is on everything. So trying to work out what dye it's <laughs> supposed to be when it's already got the powder coat on. Yeah. It's such a pain. That sounds yeah. frustrating. Mm. Um, little bit of a job update. So last Tuesday, because we didn't get to record, I got an email. So I got through to the next stage for anyone that doesn't know. They have asked my references. Everyone I've talked to, and I pretty much had this assumption myself as well, is that once you get to them asking for references, you pretty well have the job as long as your references check out. My reference has to be um, a past or present shift manager, and my current shift manager is amazing. So I know that he'll give me an amazing reference. So I'm not worried about that, but I haven't heard anything. It's now Friday a week and a bit later and I've still heard nothing. And the, it was, the only frustrating thing is in the email, I said, this is time sensitive. Make sure you get it done within 24 hours and then just silence. Oh, That's yeah. like, you know, they're working on government time, but still like, just give me a frigging update. I'm so sick. Like I'm, we went away last week um, to Port Stevens. We went to, we went swimming with sharks and rays and I took my work phone with me because I like to, to check emails. And like every hour, I'm checking for emails to see if like one came through. And I just wasted so much time and stress about it. And they still, like a week later, still haven't got anything. It's, yeah. So I used to work in government HR, and I it was like the first job I had. So basically, whatever they told me to do, I did, right? Because you don't know any better. And I recall. Like emailing people and giving them like hard deadlines to do things like 24, you <laughs> yeah. need to respond. And then we'd spend yeah. like six fucking months until we'd respond to yep. them for the next step. And I go like, we're jerks. It's like part of like why I left there. It's always do as like, I say, not as I do. No, but I was just like, if we're going to be like, I get you want to do a hard deadline. Cause you got to, you got to get these people in. You have a vacancy. You need to fill it. Like this is a, because like, sometimes you like you got like a service or a thing is being held up because of this. We need mm-hmm. to fucking move fast. So you need people to act fast. And I go, if we if we if that's the case, then yeah, we need to get those hard deadlines. I said if that's not the case, we need to be yeah. a little more softer approach on this shit. And and like, <laughs> uh, and other people didn't agree with me on that. I just went like, this is I don't. Why am I working here? And I left. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but good luck. I, I am. I, I agree. From my work in government HR, which is a completely different country, but similar in our, uh, you know, crown allegiance. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, the if you've if they've asked for your references after an interview, because sometimes they ask for them during the interview, so they don't. Just yeah. So that they have them, but if you've 
done the interview, they've asked for the references. It's a good, good, good chance. Yeah. They're they're just making sure whether or not you are what you say you are. Because I've Yeah, well they had to do internal checks and everything as well. So Right. That's all being done, I assume. I've done lots of reference calls in my life, and I've only had one time where someone just basically was like you can't hire this person. I they work for me currently. They're not good. I don't know. Like, I, like, and I was like, "Well, well, I got some questions I need answered." And they're like, "No, I don't think you're getting me." And I'm like, "No, well, we have to go through these questions because again, I was new, didn't know any better." But I was like, I, "But I went like, I think this person like after that phone call, I was like, I don't think this person we should hire this person." But I was like, "We needed it, you know, <laughs> government's very structured," uh, which I get. Yeah. There's reasons for structure. Structure takes bias out of it. You know, structure takes uh, – it, it gives – it makes people so that they have to actually think ahead of time about what they're actually trying to, under like, assess. But like mm-hmm. anything, it can also, like, lead to, to false, uh, false positives where you hire someone who is shit because your structured <laughs> questions uh, were not well thought out. Or you, mm-hmm. on the other hand, fail someone who would have been really good because you're a fucking idiot. Like, anyways, uh, <laughs> this, this is getting a little personal. So, what, what have well, I? What have you been to? working on? Uh, so, I uh, I got some new garage door openers, uh, installed those. It was way easier than I thought it was going to be, which is nice. It's always nice when a project goes a little quicker. And now I finally, after so many years. Have a look outside my door. I can press beep, boop, beep, beep, and uh, open it up, which is something I've I always hated. I would be like on the outside of my garage, and I have to like walk into the house and through the and then like press the button on the inside, or like if I had my car keys, I'd like open the car door with the like home link. So I've seen on a lot of YouTube videos and stuff, people seem to have a code to get in yeah. the garage door. Is that normal over there? Because I've never seen that in my life. How do you open yeah, right. your garage door from the outside? Normal. Yeah, that remote? is actually how we got into our last apartment <laughs> when we moved up here. The landlord was just like, oh, you know, the code is the last four of the zip code. And so we were just like, okay, well, we're in our house. Yeah, right. Yeah, hmm. yeah we just so, have remote. Like, I, like here, literally a remote sitting right here. Right. So that's, so that's actually my... That, yeah, stays we in the garage. Have remotes, but hmm. I, this way you have the code so that like you can give it to your kids, or like you don't have to have multiples. It just sits there on my like beside my house, and I can give the code hmm. to anyone and they can get into my garage, which sounds like a bad thing. But <laughs> can you can you do guest codes that expire after a certain amount of time or something? I'm sure on the – so I went for the uh, – I paid $150 for each uh, garage door opener. So not on mine, you, can, you cannot do that. I guarantee <laughs> on the anything above that, I went with the very cheapest ones. But I didn't want them connected to mm-hmm. Wi-Fi. I didn't want them – I didn't want yeah. smart home Google. Yeah. I didn't want any of that bullshit. I just wanted something that would go all the way to the fucking floor. Uh so yes, I guarantee there are ones. I, so my, I know that I've seen like people have codes on their door, and you can do it. Yeah, my uh, next door neighbor, Airbnb, yeah, she's like got that, that. code yeah, on the door, do which you can do guest codes for the Airbnb, so it expires yeah. after they leave. And then she's got like NFC tags that she gave to like her cleaner and stuff, so they just tap their key and they can get in. No thanks. No thank you. Yeah. I don't like any of that. I do stuff. not like those crappy locks. Well, it. So I, I'm her handyman in a way. Every time I install something, she gives me a case of beer. I had four locks I had to put on the front door because they kept failing right. with Wi-Fi issues. Oh my god. Yeah. So, so I will not install anything that needs Wi-Fi to work. I refuse. Me either. Hmm. Like, it does not make any sense. Like, nothing needs Wi-Fi to work, like, other than the internet. But, like, my, my I don't need my, my fridge 
to, to like connect to Wi-Fi. I don't need my fucking toothbrush <laughs> to be Bluetooth enabled. Like I don't need that shit. Tracks how much you brush your teeth or something. No, my current my current <laughs> fucking toothbrush has like I got it for free from my dentist because they anyways they, it's a whole nother story. But this is like the way they tried to like well make it up to me is they gave me like this three hundred dollar toothbrush that like has Bluetooth enabled and like. All this stuff, and I'm like, I'm never. It's not connected. It's no one needs that shit. Uh-uh. Right. This like, is ridiculous. It's for tracking, and if you really cared, it's like, you know, new washers and dryers have like an app, so it notifies you when it's done. Yeah. I can see why that might be useful, and also why it might be passive aggressive, and like you just want to be like, fuck you, because you see this notification for the last four hours, and you just go, I know. If this wasn't here, I could just live my life, but now it's here, so now it's like bothering me instead of me just living my life, realizing the washer's been down there done for two days. First of all, my wife tells me enough chores to do. I don't need electronics to tell me to come empty it as well. Second of all, have you seen Two and a Half Men? Uh, Some of it, yeah. yeah. There's an episode where Charlie Sheen's maid quits and he's doing his washing for the first time ever. And he says to Alan, like, how do I know it's done? And he goes, It'll, the washing machine will send you a text message on your phone. Like, as a joke. And he's like, oh, wow, that's so good. Like, like completely fake. And then, like, an hour later, his phone goes off because someone sends him a message. He goes, oh, the washing's done and walks off. <laughs> and now they do it. Wow. So the other yeah, exactly. exciting thing that happened in my life is I had like a weird, uh, and this is like, I had a weird problem with uh, a vision problem. And like one of, I don't know if we talked about like my biggest fears is like going blind. I think we talked about that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did. And then, about I, that. then like I later had like a vision problem. I was like, oh, God damn it. Like this is self-fulfilling prophecy. You jinxed so yourself. went to the eye doctor. Yeah. yeah, I jinxed myself. Went to the eye doctor and... uh and there's nothing wrong with my eyes. I like probably psychosomatic or something, but uh, I did find out <laughs> that one of my eyes doesn't see so well a distance. I can see really well, really far. And then he covered one of my eyes, and I could not see anymore. And I went, "The fuck's <laughs> happening here?" And I was oh, like, no. "Yeah." So apparently, like you know, one eye is good, and the other eye is like not been doing work because the other eye has been doing all the work. So he suggested I get like glasses that are basically like one eye is, and it's not like a big thing. Like I could not see, but I just like couldn't read the same, like, you know, all the way down on the chart, the way that I could, uh, with, with two eyes or the other eye, but please, please get a monocle. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. No, I don't need a – so I wouldn't be getting a monocle. But I, what I'm probably going to get is uh, a pair of safety glasses, like prescription safety glasses, mm-hmm. like the frames that yeah. I already like. And then but just get if them. he issues long distances, what the hell are you doing that you need safety glasses to see long distances? So the whole point is that I would then be wearing them all the time. So the, the yeah. what he's suggesting is that right. if I wear them all the time, my eye will correct itself. Because right now, Mm -hmm. my right eye is just doing nothing. It's just like turned off. It says, I'm good, right? And so it's not getting the the muscle uh, because it it says, I can't see that far, so I'm not going to bother. And the left eye is doing all the work. So he said, if I get glasses, the right eye will start to work again. And like it, it might correct itself over time. And so if I wear them all the time, then I might be able to correct myself. All I have to say, if I get glasses, I'll just get safety glasses. So then I don't have to switch. I'm already wearing them. Yeah. Mm. The only thing that sucks is like, I know I've worn like anytime I'm wearing safety glasses and headphones, I fucking hate it. Mm. Cause it, like, yeah, you know, if you get that. a good seal on your ear, you have a like glasses. Anyways. So I haven't decided whether or not I will go through with that or if I will do like I do with most health-related issues and ignore it. <laughs> and ignore it. Yeah. Also went to the dentist for the first time in four years. 
Hey, yeah. Yeah. So I haven't okay. been in 30 years. So. <laughs> yeah. I did that for like 15 and then went for a while. And then uh, COVID, I stopped because mm-hmm. I don't like going to the dentist. And I went, oh, this is a good excuse. <laughs> and, uh, but, it's a good excuse to get out of dentist. Yeah. Apparently, I got problems with my teeth. They're just oh, no. normal. Normal bacteria eating away at them kind of problems, which I totally get. Because if I look at like old photos of me, my teeth didn't have gaps. And now they got gaps. Oh. And yeah. And I didn't use it. I never used to have food stuck between my teeth, like the odd time, like popcorn or something. Now after every meal, there's food stuck on my teeth. Wow. So Okay. Well, that is something I had never considered. And now I'm. Now that's in my head. <laughs> right. So I'm going to put this out to, to everyone. Like, go to the dentist. And the reason you go is not for them, like, to, like, yell at you about flossing, which, by the way, I floss three times a day. Uh, it has to do with they might be able to stop the decay of your teeth. But fuck it. Like, we're going to get such good, like, robotic teeth soon. But <laughs> this is so... I guess, you know, thinking about this, I go, who, is there anyone ever who was a kid who wanted to grow up to become a dentist? Because I think, like, the dentist is the only place that I call up as a non, like, pervert. And I call up and say, I'd like to book some time with the pain guy, right? Because otherwise, Mm -hmm. like, that's all, that's it. Like, I don't. I don't know if it, I, I don't know if it's just me, but they start just poking you with stuff, and I just go, "Why? Why do you think this is okay? There's no one out there who could feel like this is okay. I don't get it, right?" But so I, I guess I wanted to talk like, what do you guys? Did you guys ever think about being a dentist, or what? What did you actually want to be when you were a kid? I wanted to be a carpenter. A carpenter? Yes. I wanted to be carpenter, to... but uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I always I always wanted to be a carpenter, and then I did everything through school-related, which I've talked about before, and then I tried to get a job as a cabinet maker, tried to get a job as a carpenter, didn't get them, ended up working at Domino's, and now I am where I am today. That's great. So let's turn this into a whole episode. Uh, thanks, thanks, Adam, for sharing your three thirty-second story. Well, surely there are other things beside a carpenter because I know I had like a lot of ideas. Okay, um, let's hear. Yeah, That's so what I when I was little, I pretty much was obsessed with animals. Uh, my first word was cat, so all of my jobs growing up were animal related. Okay, so vets, zookeepers, biologists. Uh, especially like a deep sea biologist for a little bit. I was like super obsessed with that. Okay, George so, Costanza. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't ever get you guys' references. I am just if it's wow. not in a horror movie, I don't know. <laughs> George Costanza. I know it's Seinfeld, like, but I can't tell you. He would tell uh, women he was dating that he was a marine biologist. Oh my god! <laughs> and then he was on the beach with one of these women. And there was a beached whale. And someone yelled out, like, is anyone a marine biologist? And his date, like, was like, he is. And so George went up to this whale. And he gets up on top of the whale. And he can see there, like, it's having problems breathing. And so he reaches into the... (laughs) Yeah, they're mammals. They can breathe air. So he reaches into the blowhole. And he pulls out... A titleist, a golf ball. And Kramer had been shooting uh, golf balls into the ocean earlier in the episode. Mm. And so he's like telling the story about how he like pulls it out and it's a, it's a golf ball. And Kramer says, hole in one. Oh my God. And that's the end of the episode. But so you <laughs> wanted to be a, a deep sea biologist. So like a Marianas Trench biologist. Yeah. 
I really was obsessed with that for a long time. It was probably Ranger Rick's fault. Let's be honest. That magazine pretty much gave me like all of my obsessions. Okay. But uh, I don't know. That's, it's just the shit down there is terrifying. <laughs> it's so different from everything yeah. up here. So it just, I don't know. That always fascinated me and I got really like, stuck on it for a while. Like anglerfish. Yeah, anglerfish for sure. Or like because I'm nervous and on camera, I can't fucking remember any of the names of stuff. Perfect. Yeah. But there's just so much see-through, bony, crazy, adaptive, just like evolution. It's wild. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, those totally fish is. are crazy. The fact that we have so much of our world that we haven't explored and we spend so much money trying to explore the vast emptiness of space. Of space yep. blows my mind. Yeah, there really should be more stuff happening in the ocean because we don't really know jack shit about the deepest parts of it. We're starting to, but yeah, it's. I think it's it's easier to go to space than it is to go to the the depths of the ocean because when you go yeah. down there, you're a billionaire and you die. Um, yep, so <laughs> yeah, the uh, so you wanted to be into like pets. Was the oh, number yeah. or like w- animals? Animals, Maybe not pets. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because I quickly realized that being a vet would break me. <laughs> like, yeah. once you have your first, your first like pet death, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not cut out for that. No, <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, I remember. I remember my wife wanted to be a vet nurse, a veterinary nurse, and same thing. She was like, oh, but I couldn't put them down. Like having to euthanize an animal would just kill. Yeah. Yeah. Because even if it's yeah. the right thing to do, that is like, oh, it's hard. So, yeah, that, that yeah, was it exactly. for me <laughs> on that Old yeller. Thing. Yeah. Oh, mm. <laughs> don't talk about animal movies. <laughs> oh, that fucking movie. So, again, so I, I recently went through all the garbage that my parents uh, had been collecting for years uh, you know, all my schoolwork and stuff. And I found like a, like grade two or grade three, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it was like, draw a picture mm-hmm. of what you want to be when you grow up. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at it recently and what I wanted to be was a cop in California. <laughs> and Somebody uh, enjoyed cop movies, I think. Mm. <laughs> What I wanted to do was like I wanted to serve like the public. I wanted to like like my whole thought process of it was like I wanted to help people. And I felt like that's what they did. Like I now know I'm older now. I realize that's maybe yeah. not what they do. Uh, you know, I sure there are cops out there that that's that help people, but I know like I, by and large it's like, you know, you're responding to things after it happens. You're not actually like mm-hmm. The protect is a lot less than it is, right? Uh, You know, but I just remember, but California, like it wasn't just a cop. I needed to be a cop in California. That's why I was thinking, is it movies? Like what what is that about? (laughs) Right. So I think like I was in grade three. I don't think I saw any movies like at that time, like. That would be like, I don't, I I can't recall a, a movie. All I can think about is like, I fucking hated the winter. Oh. <laughs> right? Like, and I was like, I need to be the place that doesn't have winter. I have a question about that, though. Did you think all of California was beaches and palm trees? Because that's what I assumed until I moved there, basically. Well, I, I think there's a lot of California that... That is that. And I think that there is also, like, I was in grade three. So, you know, my thought process on things was like the same way Star Wars and Visions Planets is a singular ecosystem. You know, like, like that's how I thought about states is like, this one's cold, this one's hot. And I get like, you know, it's not exactly that way, but California's got to be comparatively to where I live. I'm gonna say, oh yeah, it's got it's some pretty warmer. F- way warmer, right? It's oh man, 
I don't know. <laughs> it's just like 50 degrees and disgusting for a lot of the time in San Francisco. What, what's and disgusting? I think that's just ruined it. Just like drizzly and super humid and just like, yeah, very, at 50, very just at fif- wet and 50? moist and like in the 50s. Yeah. I'll take it. Oh, see, I. Mm. I don't want like better than right, like minus 20. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, or like the fucking feet of snow that I had to clear in my driveway tonight. But like, it was, I guess the reason that I hate it so much and why I always think of it and I'm like, fucking TV lied to me is that I was a commuter. And so I was constantly in the weather. So yeah, out in California, I learned about layering properly because it's just like, you never know how shitty it's going to get. You reminded me talking about um, movies that I always wanted to be a truck driver as well. Oh, oh yeah. That's yeah. a good From watching Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I was obsessed. We grew up with a CB radio in our car. Oh, yeah. Oh, fancy. And we, and like, this is back in the day where kids could sit in the front seat. Because airbags <laughs> didn't exist, so you could like in the, in the you could reach the CB radio if you were in the passenger seat. So sitting shotgun meant a lot more than just being able to like sit in the cool seat. Yeah. You also got to like interact with the CB radio and try and find uh, truckers to talk to while you're going on your random, you know, whatever mission my mother was on during the day to <laughs> to get groceries or whatever, you know, whatever shit that they had to do during the day. I don't know. I don't remember. I was talking on the CB. But, you know, you'd go like, breaker, breaker, one, nine. You know, like bullshit. That you, like, you're a kid, so you just make you know, you don't know what you're saying. <laughs> I Over I remember my, my cousin having like a handheld CB and yeah. I Still to this day, can you remember being at his house doing like prank calls and stuff over the CB of oh like, my gosh. like I'm a hot girl sitting on the side of the road, rubber ducky, come in, rubber ducky. <laughs> uh, yeah. The- oh god. So, Shit, we uh, did as kids. Yeah, I know it's painful to think about sometimes. Uh, random like side quests here. I just remembered the name of one of the coolest deep sea creatures. And this is actually a very recent discovery, or at least I think capture on film and maybe not discovery. So right. everyone should look up big fin squid genus Magna Pinna. Um, I will copy and paste this in the chat for you guys and I'll put it in the show notes, but it is Fucking haunting. <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, so this particular one doesn't have a length estimate, but previously it says 6.4 meters or 21 feet in total length. And most of that oh, is wow. tentacles. Well, I, you know what? I at that point, I'd it. call them 20 tickles. <laughs> There might have been some jokes about that. Scientists can be very corny. <laughs> well, you know, instead of ten tickles, they're twenty tickles. Yeah, I don't get <laughs> no that. response at so, all. No, I get it. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he got it. Uh, all that Not to even say, a smile though. <laughs> yeah, that does look creepy. I don't understand like long tentacles like that. I, it just looks it looks normal so to me. This one. Yeah. Oh, good lord. <laughs> This one, uh, basically, the tentacles help it feed because it's not really a super strong swimmer. So it sort of just floats around. And then the things that, you know, get in the tentacles, that's food. Is Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how this works. <laughs> All right. So I guess, uh, very interesting. I I don't know what else to say about that other than... <laughs> Sorry. I hope I hope I don't get in there twenty tickles. Um, yeah, don't want that. As you got older, so like I was talking like grade three, and you were talking like as a as a young kid, you were talking like animals yeah, this were the is thing. Elementary and but, middle school, probably. I was still thinking that way. Right. So maybe as you like got older into like high school, 
Obviously, Adam has nothing further to add to this conversation because apparently Carpenter must have read the Bible, saw Jesus was a carpenter, went, that's that's where I'm going. Definitely uh, not. But, uh, yeah, no, that's <laughs> totally it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so from that, I guess, what what did you think as you were getting older? Uh, so down another nerdy path? I actually started thinking it would be really cool to work in a bookstore as a librarian. Being an adult now, I realize those are wildly different things and that working in a bookstore sucks. Uh, So, you know, it kind of, it changed a lot as I got older, but yeah, I don't know. I I would say- It looked romantic and fun. Working in a bookstore, if it paid like uh, a a living wage- yeah. that it might be something that you'd be interested in doing. You know what I mean? Like if mm-hmm. like I think there's a lot of people who would work at a bookstore because like sharing your passion for books with other people sounds mm-hmm. like something a lot of people would want to do. I mean, and that part of the job is great. Like, and well for everybody that doesn't know, I worked um at Half Price Books for seven, eight years? I don't know. It was a long time. (laughs) And like, yeah, there are great parts about it, but so much of it is just people being shitty because it's retail. (laughs) And so like, I don't know, a lot of the good parts kind of have disappeared over the years. And I mostly remember like the customers that spit on me, you know, it's like. (laughs) I think that has more to do with society and less to do with the bookstore. (laughs) Probably, but like you just can't work in retail and expect to be treated like a human, and so I just can't do it anymore. Okay, only in America, maybe. Only but, in America, uh, sure. Yeah, we're awful. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, <laughs> this is why we don't have more listeners. I'm pretty sure because <laughs> we just shit on the U.S. the whole time. Yeah. Well, y'all, you should try being a woman here. Okay, right. I'm allowed to complain. Well, I'm the one complaining. But uh, (laughs) so, okay. So you wanted to be in books and that, you know, makes sense. Yeah. I was obsessed. Did you ever think about writing books? Yeah. Okay. But uh, just the way my brain works, I don't know that I could do that. You're more of a blogger. I've read it. Yeah, like shorter. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I I probably have – 10 blogs that I just stopped writing and then started another one. Who knows if they're still out there, but like I wrote all the time. If you look on the internet archive, you can find a lot of them, which is crazy to me. So, and I'll go like, this is my aside (laughs) is at one point there was like a minute, like the amount of information going on the internet on a daily basis was capturable. Mm Mm-hmm. And now it is not. No. Mm. And that's an interesting thing to me. That we're going to get to a point where if it goes on the internet, it's not forever because no one's capturing it anymore. Well, and GDPR also. <laughs> like there's a lot of like privacy measures being put in place where it's not forever anymore. I, I get you say that, but I think there's just so much going out there. That at one point, if you put something on the internet, it was forever because someone could just download it. Yeah. But yeah. now the amount of information created, like it would be, it's impossible. It's just yeah. physically impossible. But so when I was in high school, I would, I know the way, like what I wanted to do was like design remote control cars or work on real size cars. Like that was the only thing I thought about was like basically being an engineer for that type of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it obviously never happened because that's not what I do now. But I look back on it and go like, I don't – I really wish that I had seen the path to that clearer. Yeah. Like I really hate the fact that like in high school – this like hormonal 16 year old boy is picking the things that will like define his future. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. 
Oh. <laughs> it's, too many, I, yeah, I, it's definitely too many big decisions for someone whose brain isn't fully formed. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. Right. And I get like, I completely get like, I went to, when I went back to, to college or when like I flunked out of university, didn't flunk out, but I, I quit before I flunked out uh, and went to college after that. Uh, I was in classes with this guy who was like 45. Right. And as a 20 year old, a 45 year old's like, Jesus, fuck, you're a dinosaur. Like, yeah, you're always. Right? I was already oh because God. I, right. I was already old as the 25 year old, you know what I mean? Or 22 year old. All the rest of the kids were 18, right? Like, I was oh, the old 22 okay. year old, right? Yeah. And then there was a 45 year old in, a, in the class with us. And I just went, like, Jesus Christ. But then I look at it and go, so if at 45 you change careers, you go to school for two years. And for some reason, like you're able to financially, you you got a lot of fucking, you got 20 more years to like work, Hmm? right? At 45. Yeah, my my best mate just started trade school and he's 33. Right. But like you have, if you find something you want to work at, you got like 65 is is no problem for most people to work at. Something like I get, I'm not trying to say like you have to work till you're 65. What I'm trying to say is if you like working and you want to do it, 65 isn't a unreasonable thing to, to, to get to, to work. So at 45, if you want to change careers, you could do it. And that's the same thing. Like if you are in a job that you hate right now and you are 40, like I am almost, or whatever, like what, or 35, and you're thinking, like, well, I can't do it. You can. Because mm-hmm. I know, and there's something on Dave Bowers uh, podcast. Like, I remember one of the episodes, one of his guests talked about, like, like being in university and, and like being like a couple years in and thinking, is it too late to switch as a 20 year old? Mm-hmm. Is it too late to switch majors? Like, will I ruin my entire life at 20 because I wanted to switch my career? Like, no, you're 20, right? You're nothing. Like, you are literally nothing, right? I get, like, the problem is, like, you know, you don't want to get into, like, this, like, every two years you switch, you know, your desire and you never actually accomplish anything. But if you're 20 and you're not sure what you want to do, 100% understandable. Take some time, figure Mm -hmm. it out. Yeah, if you're work 30, for a little bit, and then you'll realize what you like. <laughs> right. If you're 30 and you hate your job, quit it. Mm-hmm. And if you are anyone listening, if you think that you can do it, you can. And if you think you can't, you won't be able to. And that's, it's pretty, it's that simple. Yeah. It, yeah, it really can be. <laughs> And uh, so speaking of that, uh, and I don't want to say that I hate my job. I love you, Autodesk. I love you, Tinkercad. I love you, Instructables. Don't fire me. But (laughs) when I eventually am let go, I will assume it will happen at some point in my life. I don't see myself retiring there, but maybe I'll get super lucky. But I've been thinking both about nursing and um, working in a mortuary, (laughs) which I know is pretty wild, but... Body stuff doesn't really bother me, and I just – I find it all kind of interesting. So, yeah, I've thought about that seriously. Um, but, like, where we're living right now, it would never be able to happen. But if we move somewhere with, like, you know, more hospitals, it's a possibility in my future mm-hmm. if, you know, Autodesk doesn't carry me <laughs> to retirement. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Is mortuary a morgue yeah. or are they different? Okay. Well, they typically reside in the same building, but a mortuary is basically where the actual procedure is formed, and the morgue is more where bodies where they kept. are held. Yeah. Right. Ah, I, I never knew so. that. Interesting. I don't know. I feel like it seemed neat to me. Yeah, I feel like it, it is interesting. Like I've, I've always been sort of interested in that stuff too, but I couldn't see myself working on it. Like I, I don't want to see any more dead bodies than I've already seen. Yeah, but no, that is totally I feel, fair in your line of work. But I do feel like if you, if you're sort of like 
not into it in like a weird way, but like if that's what you enjoy, you sort of take that dead body part away from it in a way. Like it, like you're not looking at this like, oh my God, it's a dead body. You're like, okay, I need to actually like do work here and you know, I'm interested to find out what happened and autopsy and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, like, and this is going to sound really weird, but I've been around my death my whole life. Our family cemetery is right across from where we lived. And like, you know, people started dying early. I lost a lot of friends. And so it's just always been something that I've thought a lot about and been around. Mm. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm a little fascinated with it. It doesn't super scare me like a lot of people. And I feel like I'm pretty good at comforting people and being able to know what to say. Mm. So like in nursing and, you know, like a mortuary assistant or whatever, it could be helpful. <laughs> like it could be useful skills for those sort of things. But I don't know. I Because that's the only thing I worry about is I get really attached to people. And so it's like, if I go into nursing, that could be, it <laughs> could be really hard. So my uncle lost his job at a newspaper as a graphic designer and became uh, like a, like he started working at a funeral home mm-hmm. and like helping people with all of that. Yeah, uh, so I'm just saying like that. Yeah. Funeral arrangements and like dealing with the body and all that, like, mm-hmm. And just something to like consider in case like it happens. Yeah. It is like a job that I'm sure is often in demand and isn't easily fillable because a lot of people don't like death. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like working in a mortuary would be easier than working in a funeral home. Like having to have that compassion and all that sort of stuff. Like you can't fake that sort of stuff. No. But in saying that, like, well, I went to – I used to deliver flowers for a friend and I delivered flowers to a funeral and the people that they hired to do the funeral were at the back of the funeral laughing, telling jokes to each other, like quietly mm-hmm. but still, while like yeah. the recessions and everything's going on. It's like, what Like, what are you doing? Like, it's so unprofessional. I understand, like, you know, you're probably just used to it, but still, like, someone's funeral. Like, what are you – like, you can't – like you have to have compassion all the time, or at least if you work in a mortuary, you can think whatever you want. I will put this <laughs> out there. I will hope if if anyone listening comes to my funeral, tell a joke because that's what I want. But no, but, no hang, hang on, no. Okay. And it, just just let much. me say, no, just let me say, yes, okay, tell jokes. Not the people that you've hired to run the funeral. <laughs> Not the people that aren't part of the, not the people that aren't part of the family up the back telling jokes to each other while and not like they are. That's what I want. I don't know. Everyone tells jokes. It seems so so uncomfortable. I completely agree with you, but you know who are professional people? (laughs) Our patrons. Ah, especially the F clamp level. Scott from Daddy Yourself DIY, Joe Herdina, David Wood from DW Wood Builds, Brad from I'm Gonna Make, Chad from Chad's Customer Creations, and everyone else who supports us there. I really appreciate it. And we both, we all three of us, we really appreciate it. Yes. Uh, if you would like, you can sign up at patreon.com slash clamp. That will get you access to the after show, the monthly gnome hammer draw, as well as a custom leather keychain made by yours truly. Um, if you can't support us there, we completely understand. If you want to support us by buying merch, we got merch. I'm wearing my uh, Grant Alexander t-shirt, but we also have clamp t-shirts. Uh, and we got BKR uh, builds and Jesse Ratfink t-shirts as well. Available if you go on our Clampcast website, clampcast.com. And now, Clampmendations. Clampmendations! I'm going to recommend everyone checks out this very interesting, uh, like, video that just, like, popped up. And it was, like, this guy took an old electric stove and turned it into a shop heater. So he used just the electric stove and he used the elements, uh, like the, the circular elements, to be the elements for the heater. And he used the fan that was above 
to be the blower across the elements. And he used all the controls from the stove and like rewired it to, and like made a little control panel from all the parts of the stove. Uh, and it's the guy's name, 65 Ford. So I assume he's like into cars. I've never heard of him before. I don't know how it came up on my feed. This is like one of the very few times where Google got it right. Uh, or YouTube got it right. <laughs> but I, I was just like, this is a guy I want on my zombie apocalypse team because <laughs> like, you know, like the ability to take or, you know, post apocalypse team, the ability to take old technology and turn it into something new. Mm-hmm. It's, is really great. And, uh, you know, and just like the thought process between how he did it, what, why he did the, the things he did and, and, I just thought it was a really cool thing. In the video, he also talks about other uh, builds he's done of a similar, like take old something and turn it into something completely different. So maybe worth checking out. It looks really cool. I love those old green ovens. They're so nice looking compared to some of the stuff we have today. Well, that's also true. And it's one of those things that like, it's sad to in it like the really interesting part. You know, like everyone has a knob to adjust uh, the heat. The oven that he had just had like nine settings, which was like actually cool as a heater, right? Just a bunch of buttons that you press, and I was like, that makes like I don't understand why we don't have that now. I don't need like a knob. I'm never like I don't need infinite adjustability, like. I, I nine settings is probably actually too many. I probably need like five. You know what it, I mean? It's, like an air fryer. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny because like here, like I will set like maybe a hundred, maybe a hundred and twenty. Usually I cook at a hundred and eighty or two hundred degrees. I don't need to go like one hundred and seventy-three degrees, but I suppose in America you probably do because you got weird numbers. Um, keep things around like baking recipes are normally like 350 375 so it's like in multiples of 25 yeah it's all 25 that's what we use too we use fahrenheit in canada because no matter what i do i can't get away from the freedom units freedom (laughs) uh well mine has a bit of post-apocalyptic whatever that word is stuff as well but i was listening to psychopedia and they were talking about um, how when you read when you're texting with someone, you're reading it in your mood, right? So, like, if yeah. you're if you're angry, like if you're fighting with someone over text, you're reading it how you're feeling, right? And he yeah, and he suggested to go watch a video by Key and Peel about texting, and like this video is so. Like funny but true at the same time. Yeah. One of them's really angry, the other one's high and really mellow. And he's like, Oh, do you even want to go to the bar? And the mellow guy's like, Yeah, whatever. And he's like, Whatever? What do you mean, whatever? Like he's so angry. He's like, You wanna go? And he's like, Yeah, I said, let's go. And then like so the angry guy thinks that they want to thinks that it's a fight. The other guy's like, Yeah, let's go to the bar. And like it's so funny. Like it yeah. But it's so true. Like you I never realized it till like I watched that, how true that really is. It is one of the biggest like things that I deal with on like with conflict in my work. That yeah. like, I see people and the, the big problem is like they they people even if you're not in a bad mood, you also like don't like someone. So everything they say is like an offense to you. Yes. Or is yeah. or is stupid because you just like you 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 put so much stuff onto whatever it is, and it's because people judge uh, others based on their uh, actions, and they judge themselves based on their intentions. And you can never tell someone's you know unless you're clear on your intentions, you'll never you just say oh yeah sure sounds great whatever right and then yeah. whatever you know like. You know, everyone like puts their own thoughts into everything. It's yeah, it's great. I've seen yeah. that uh, that skit. It's good. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil why the um, post apocalyptic ties in, 
But oh, when you watch it, you'll I understand. I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. In case anyone's wondering, like, what the hell? has that segue at all? But you'll understand when you watch it. Okay. Uh, so I am recommending another Instructables author this week. Uh, this week, it's Honus. I hope that's how you say it because it's Onus with an H on the front. So, I, yeah, I'm hoping it's Honus. Sorry, Jerome, if that's wrong. Um, but he also lives here in Colorado. He's a professional jeweler. Um, mm. And I fully, fully recommend everyone follow him on Instagram. I'm pretty sure the handle is Making to Learn over there. And he does the coolest stuff, the tiniest welding when he does jewelry repairs and stuff like that. And I just, I love seeing everything he does. He's kind of the master of metal to me on Instructables. Um, he does like huge projects and also really intricate sort of more jewelry themed projects. His most latest, like his most latest, his latest one is a four by five film view camera. And the process, the pictures, it's so beautiful. It's its probably one of my favorite Instructables. So yeah, I just recommend everyone follow him, check out his work because it's just some of the coolest stuff ever. Also, if you like cosplaying, he also has some really fantastic costume Instructables. So, you know. Yeah. A little bit of everything, but if you if you around. like machining, because I know some of our listeners yeah. out there are machinists, he does a yeah, that's another lot of machining. Color. Yeah, yeah. Like I was just he's looking at, amazing. he's got a handmade jeweler saw, which mm-hmm. is uh, something I've thought about making a lot, and uh, now I don't think I will because it's a lot of work, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day, maybe one day. But I, I just looked at it and went, no, that's too much work. I'm good. Uh, but, yeah. Cool. Good good show. Yeah. Uh, so, now it's on to the Ask Us Anything. Ask Us Anything. The Ask Us Anything for this week is from Time Capsule Scratch Builds. And they ask, out of the things you've made, what are you most proud of? Um, and I had to think about this for quite a while. Uh and I can't really decide. There's there's two projects that I did. One is a Warhammer 40K embroidered wall hanging I did for a customer. I documented it on Instructables. That one was fun, but it took a very long time. <laughs> but I was very proud of what I made at the end because it was essentially like a canvas scroll that I sewed up after I embroidered it. It turned out super well. And then the other one is probably my biggest embroidery project I've ever done, which is Embroidering Forever Young Lyrics by Bob Dylan. Mm. That one took almost 30 hours. Um, And it's another one that I documented. And I'm really happy I documented it because, I mean, otherwise, how would I know how much floss (laughs) I used making it and all that weird stuff? So, yeah, it's interesting to look back through it. And there's also a picture of me at the end with a very unfortunate haircut because I was growing out bangs. (laughs) (laughs) What about you guys? I think I – I don't know. I want to say my motorbike because it's just like one of the most passionate things that I put work into. But I also want to say the um, coffee table that I made. Was one of my favorites, which is now at the dump. It's now at the dump. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't don't know what to do with that particular (laughs) bunch of words together, but uh, you know, I think about like what what does it mean to be proud of something, and this is where. For me, I, I like when I think about being like proud or, or of something, I go like, I know I, I still to this day look at it and go, ah, I, I really like how that turned out. I would do that again this way. I, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. And I would, even if you'd like change some things around because you've learned and grown since then, you're like, I did good. And, uh, I think of like like the the garden build I did in my backyard 
which I didn't do a good job documenting. And I like regret it now because it turned out really good. Uh, I'm really proud of that. And, and it's been very fruitful and like it, to, to the point where I go like, I, w- I want to like do another one. Right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't have a big yeah. enough backyard to like do another one, but I'm like, ah, why not? Also, it was a fuck ton of, of cedar and it costs a lot of money. Yeah. But, uh, I was to say. Probably is pretty and, expensive. And like my, my, it's like, I'm really proud of how my, uh, the play structure I made for my kids turned out. They don't use it as much <laughs> as I hoped they would. You know, yeah. like same here. And it's like a lot of the things that I've made uh, for my kids. Like I'm really proud of them, but then I like look and I go like, I've seen them play with a piece of cardboard longer than some of the sh- stuff I made with them. So I'm like, I don't know what to do with that in my mind. I want to change my answer. Oh, the proudest thing I've ever made is my kids. Yeah. I thought one of you might say that. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was like, yeah. eh, that's a stupid answer. Yeah. So I want to thank so TF Dern. one. <laughs> the yeah. others are answer two, and we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to thank TF Turning for the theme song. We're currently in discussions with him to uh, get a new theme. If you yeah, want to have some in, if, if you have, it's going to be Taylor Swift themed. If you, uh, hey, I'd be happy if you want. Yeah, if you want to get any input into it, join us on the Discord. Uh, we got a little clamp Discord, and tell us what you want to hear at the start and end of the show, and we will ignore it and just make Taylor Swift stuff. Uh, no, just 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 joking. But uh, yeah, if you want to find us, you can find us in all the usual social media places, except for X, uh, where you won't find us. But uh, just search Clampcast, uh, and if you want to find. Uh, Adam, you can find him at uh, where? Where are you at these days? Have you changed all the things yet? Have no. You so YouTube, yeah. No, YouTube. I'm BKR Custom Motorbikes, and everywhere else, I'm making Mickey. All right, Jesse. What about you? Uh, Jesse Ratfink on Instagram, and even that is sporadic. So sorry about it. <laughs> well, fair. Yeah, if you want to find me. I'm the Grant Alexander everywhere. And until <laughs> next time. Bye. Cheers. And have a great day. <laughs>